What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 145. MLB Weekly Awards. Top center fielders. Little uh, check-in on who's going to just miss out on the playoffs, who are the top contenders, and Bradley Beal to Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, our similar MLB stuff, but I think we probably had a little bit of some more fun topics this week than we've had in the last few weeks. Uh, and then, like Skyler said, the Bradley Beal trade is something that bit what something that was big that happened over this past week, as well as the NBA draft is on Thursday. So uh, we'll be getting ready for that. Victor Wembanyama just threw out the first pitch at the Yankees game. Hmm. It was horrendous. But good thing he's not playing baseball. Yeah, that's good. Let's get into our opener, though, Skyler. And uh, what you got? Yeah, uh, last Tuesday, we uh, did the podcast day earlier because we were both going to be in Oakland at the A's-Rays game. That was a reverse boycott game. I know Kyle can't say much about it because he works for them. So I guess I'll keep it short and sweet. So... Tuesday night, crazy comeback win, and 27,000 A's fans packed, chanting, sell the team. It was amazing. You know, probably one of the the last times we'll have a night like that at the Coliseum ever uh, with the updated news about relocation. So that was the best thing I saw. Yeah, a very uh, unique night at the Coliseum, I will say. That is very uh, – a lot of times I was kind of just standing around and trying to soak it in and kind of experience everything that was going on because it was uh, definitely one – once in a lifetime experience, because you go to a lot of playoff games and stuff like that in your lifetime, and you you feel that experience, but you never—I don't think—I'm kind of speaking for Skyler here too. Yeah, you never really felt that atmosphere at an A's game. Uh, so it was very interesting there. I'm going to talk about the guy who was on the mound for the A's in that game. That's Hogan Harris, who absolutely dominated in that game after the opener, who was Shintaro Fujinami. Harris came in, pitched innings two through eight. So through seven innings, only allowed one earned run, four hits, and also got a couple of strikeouts in there as well, too. Yes, sir. Uh, Hogan Harris also pitched on Father's Day. So I guess he's, you know, uh, you see these big crowds because we also had 25,000 there on Father's Day. Uh, and he went six innings, two earned runs, seven strikeouts against the Phillies. Considering one of those runs was the leadoff home run in the first, Hogan did really, really yeah. good. And uh, I think when we look at Harris's year, as a whole, from the beginning of the year when he first came up, he had a one-out performance against the Mets where he allowed six – or only allowed one hit but walked six batters, allowed a ton of runs, and that completely shot his ERA. So the ERA is still at 4-4-5. Four, four, but over his last six appearances – or five appearances, my bad – he's got an ERA just around two. So he's been amazing for the A's so far and uh, definitely a guy that I like watching on the mound because he's got that – that cool demeanor to him too that enjoys makes it fun to watch as well as his uh you know killer mustache too. Oh yeah. Let's move into uh where's your head at and we're gonna start it how we always start it. Player, pitcher, rookie of the week, Skyler. Let's start off with the rookie of the week. Who do you got? Emmett Sheehan, Dodgers rookie starter, six no hit innings in his debut against the Giants. That's as good of a debut as you can have. Yeah, Emmett Sheehan for me as well, too. 
but I also want to talk about Yuri Perez, who had a very mm-hmm. good six innings against the Seattle Mariners. Only allowed two hits, didn't allow a run, one walk, six strikeouts. So props to uh, Yuri Perez and Emmett Sheehan. Moving on to pitcher of the week, Skeller, who do you got? I'm going with Max Scherzer. It's been a rough first half of the season so far, but eight innings, only given up one run against Houston. Also eight strikeouts. Looks like he's getting back on the right track. Yeah, my my pitcher of the week might be a little bit shocking when you look at the innings and runs. Seven innings, three runs, but 16 strikeouts for Lance Lynn against the Mariners on Sunday or Saturday. It was crazy performance for Lance Lynn. Still didn't get the win, though. Kind of just seems how the White Sox have been this entire year. Player of the week. Player of the week. It's got to be Shohei Otani. I mean, Eddie Rosario had such a great week, but Otani, similar numbers, four homers this week. He's now at 24, leading MLB, and also a win on the mound against Texas in six innings. So it's got to be Otani for me. Yeah, Otani, flat player of the week, too. He's really been crazy over these past two weeks, just hitting a whole bunch of nukes the opposite field, like over 440 feet, which has been absolutely nuts. So uh, props to Shohei. We give him props all the time, but uh, yeah, he's he's a dog right now. So player of the week for me and Skyler. Let's get into our top ten center fielders. We've done every other position except for right fielders. We haven't done that yet, as well as pitchers. But we're here at the number eight spot, the center fielders today. Skyler, do you have some honorable mentions that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, a couple guys who've been pretty good. Jose Siri, pretty good all around. Mike Yastrzemski, some big hits last night. Jackson Winsky off to a, a great start. Great uh, start to his career. And Jackson Chirillo, top prospect. Kyle doesn't like him, but, hey, if he's supposed to be a superstar, he's going to be on the on the honorable mention list for uh, center fielders. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mentions, I have Mike Yastrzemski, Kevin Kiermeyer, Riley Green, who I just is starting to come around, but the earlier part, of his career wasn't the greatest. Jose Siri, Jack Sawinski, uh, hopefully Estieri Ruiz makes this list at some point. Uh, I have Jazz and Bader off of my list just because they've been so hurt over this past year that it was really, really tough to rank them uh, considering, you know, even when they do come back, sometimes they're kind of in these cold stretches, especially Jazz. So uh, I kept those two guys off my list. And then prospects, Colton Kowser, Luis Matos uh, for the, San Francisco Giants, Pete Crow Armstrong, 21-year-old outfielder for the Cubs. I think I got to shout out the A's guy, Denzel Clark, too, mm-hmm. who is a freak athlete. Moving oh, into okay. number 10. Together, who do you got? Number 10, I do have Estuary Ruiz making the list. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of confusing what his ceiling is going to be. Is this just it for him, or does he have more to his game? But either way, I still think he's been consistent enough so far. He leads the bigs in stolen bases. And uh, it's been a rough start for center fielders this year. He gets the nod. Number 10 for me, uh, for my stats, and the main thing that I looked at was over this last calendar year. So I did 620 of 2022. So literally 365 days because some of the other stats were a little bit off with injuries as well, too. Uh, so that's why I based my, my, my stats off of just mm-hmm. giving people that look here. Uh, so number 10, I have TJ Friedel. Pleasanton's very own uh, 127 WRC plus over these last 365 days. 
8.5 walk percent, 16.2 K percent are both pretty solid. Plays good defense, is very fast. Uh, and at the top of the lineup for a Cincinnati team that is starting to really put things together. He had a three-run homer literally probably 20 minutes ago uh, at this point. So uh, TJ Friedel makes my list at number 10. On to number nine. Leody Tavares. He's been a big part of Texas. Big reason why they've been so good this past year and a half. And uh, he just gets on base whenever you need him, man. Yeah. Leody is also my number nine. 111 WRC plus isn't as high as Friedel, but he's a way better fielder and probably better base runner as well, too, than Friedel. Uh, walk rate, strikeout rate, nothing too crazy there, but he likes to say gets on base, a great contact hitter. He's not going to, you know, walk a lot, but he's going to hit, put the ball in play and put it hard on the ground, pretty consistent. And he's starting to put more power into the bat as we get, gets more comfortable getting into the season. I think, uh, he was kind of a consistent nine hitter guy for the Rangers and with how their lineup is. But if you were to put that dude on the Yankees or I don't even know, like on the Mets, he'd be hitting probably second yeah. or third for those teams right now. Mm-hmm. So Lee D comes in at number nine on a number eight, number eight. I got Michael Harris of the Braves really rough start, but uh, he started to turn it around and, you know, we picked him to win MVP for a reason at the start of the year. He's going to figure it out. Yeah. Number eight for me is a name I did not think I'd be putting on this one, but it's it's a Stanford native. That's Austin Slater with a 131 WRC plus over this past year. Uh, 9% walk rate is pretty solid. 25.7% K rate is pretty high. Uh, but when you have a 131 WRC plus, it doesn't matter. This dude absolutely rakes. He steals bases. He's not the greatest fielder, but I think he gets away with that with being one of the best hitting center fielders in the league over this past year. So coming in at number eight, Austin Slater. Number seven. Cody Bellinger, another guy who uh, hasn't uh, been on the hottest streaks lately, but he's putting it together on his prove-it deal with the Cubs, and I, I still think he's up here. Number seven for me is going to be Lars Newtbar, a Japanese legend, even though he uh, wasn't – born there or anything like that. He just, his mom's from J- Japan. He became a Japanese legend overnight uh, with his performance in the WBC. And again, another pretty consistent guy from this year to last year uh, and uh, plays pretty well all around, whether that's speed, defense, hitting, whatever it is. He's a, he's a very solid player. So I, I put Lars Newbart number seven on number six, number six. I got Brandon Nimmo with the Mets. He got paid and it's, been pretty worth it so far. He's the only guy on the team who can hit consistently. Uh, I think he's just outside of this this top five group of elite center fielders. Uh, number six for me is going to be where I put Michael Harris. He's got a 119 WRC plus over his last calendar year. Uh, he's got a very consistent walk and strikeout rate for somebody who's just kind of came up for this past year and a year and a half and is still very, very young where he's not walking a lot. He's striking out quite a bit, but those numbers are starting to get better and better as he gets more at-bats in the league. Uh, obviously got off to a slow start this year, got hurt. I think he came back and then got hurt again, and now he's back fully healthy. And he's been raking over these last 16 to 20 games. So, so like Skyler said just a little bit ago, there's a reason why we picked this guy as our MVP pick this year. He's an amazing player all around and uh, start, starting to finally get things going for the Braves, yeah. uh, which have – Seem to have things going for them all year. Number five. Number five, Jazz Chisholm does make the list. I know he is new to center field, 
but that's okay with me. I think he belongs in in the category of of star players now. I think he's earned it. He's been pretty good, not as good as some of the other covers of MLB The Show, but uh, he's right there. The Marlins are great, and he's a big part. Hmm. Also, Jazz Chisholm is, uh, I believe, starting a rehab stint today, so he should be coming back from that. I think it was a That's foot good. injury or finger injury yeah. uh, that he stained earlier in the year. Uh, but number five for me is going to be where I put Cedric Mullins, the guy who's been weirdly – he's had a weird last few seasons because he had a good year, he had a bad year, and now he's back on that good year thing that he's doing right now. Uh, 120 WRC plus over, this lot, over these last 100 or 365 days. He steals a ton of bases, has good power. Good all-around player. Again, I think we're going to say that consistently over and over again. These top five guys are very toolsy, have the ability to do all five things. Uh, Cedric Bones, maybe not too much with the arm, but still a solid fielder. Uh, so he cracks the top five just barely at number five. Number four. Number four, I got Julio Rodriguez, the youngster. Great start. Again, it's slow first month of the season now he's starting to pick it up you can tell uh, it's another situation where he's the only consistent hitter on the team right now so you you can tell how important he is and that's how i feel about j-rod still he's number four yeah number four for me is going to be probably the most toolsy guy on out of anybody on this list and that's Luis robert jr uh the chicago white Sox, a 123 wrc plus over his past year and a half uh, 3.4 war over the, his last 119 games is pretty solid as well, too. Uh, a guy who has a ton of pop, probably could steal more bases, but just doesn't because of his injury-prone self. And then, uh, I mean, he's got the ability to fill the position when he wants to, and he's not lazy. He's got all the talent in the world. It just matters if he applies himself. And uh, when he does, he's one of the best center fielders in all of baseball. So Louis Bob comes in at number seven. On to number three. At number seven, four, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just making sure Sorry. we're on the same spot. You're good. You're good. My number three is where I have Cedric Mullins. It's, it's like you said earlier. He does pretty much everything really well. He's had three homer games. He's had games with diving catches, four for fours. He does it all. And uh, I have him a little higher than some of the other guys. No. Coming in at number three is going to be the guy who has the highest war of any center fielder over the last 365 days, considering the guys who MLB.com determines as center fielders, because Fangraphs has Aaron Judge, but Aaron Judge isn't considered one on MLB.com. So the next best guy is Brandon Nimmo. Maybe the highest war has something to do with the fact that he's played 161 games over the last 365 days, so he's not out at all. He's been very consistent uh, and playing every single day, but that, I think, is probably the sixth or seventh tool when it comes to being in baseball. You know, the mental side might be the sixth, but availability has definitely got to be the seventh if it's on there, and he's a guy who's playing every single day, whether he's dinged up or whatever's going on with him. Uh, walk rate over 10, strikeout rate under 20 is good things to see. He plays great defense. He's very fast, even though he doesn't steal a ton of bases. He's got the power to hit the ball to the ballpark when he feels he needs to. I don't know. I feel sometimes he shortens his swing up to get base hits, but he's got the pop to hit homers if he wants to. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, 135 WRC plus over his last 365 days, and he comes in at number three on my center fielders list. Yeah. On to number two. Number two is where I got Louie Bob. Uh, like you said, if he's there, 
available, head in the right place, he's great. And that's what's happened so far this year. He's been there, surprisingly, and destroying the baseball. Defense, not as bad as we thought it could be, coming back from injuries and other issues he could be dealing with. But right now, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because it's been about a full season of Louie Bob. Yeah, yeah. Definitely one of those guys that when he first came up, he was like, uh, oh, my gosh, like got to watch this guy's debut type prospect. Yeah. And uh, it's the next Mike Trout, you know, all, all these comps. And obviously, you know, his career definitely won't be to the point of Trout's. Uh, but you could see that he's still got that ability to be, you know, 40 homer guy and kind of a polarizing player within the league. So that's really good to see. Uh, my number two is going to be Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod. He has a 139 WRC plus over these last 365 days. And that's even with the slow start to the season. So that just tells you how good his rookie year was last year. And I think eventually we're going to get to start seeing J-Rod back on that path that he was last year and that consistent progression. A uh, ton of stolen bases, ton of homers from this guy. Again, another really toolsy guy when it comes to having all five tools in the game. Uh, again, another one of those young players that we talked about with Michael Harris where, you know, the strikeout rate and walk rates are starting to progress more and more as they play within, play more games within the MLB. So, uh, J-Rod's trending upwards. I think he's been a lot better over this past month too. So, uh, comes in at number two for me. And then I don't Mike, I don't know. How do you say this, this guy's last name in, in first place, Skyler? Tim Salmon. Like Truitt? Truitt? Mike Truitt? The truth. Ah. Yeah, Number it's one. Trout. It's Mike Trout. We could talk about him for an hour, but we're not going to because we don't have to. Yeah. Mike Trout. Uh, I'll, I'll say my little piece here. Okay. Uh, you ahead. know, sometimes some of the stats, especially in war, you know, might not be the highest uh, that what you'd expect. And like, oh, is J-Rod or Brandon Nimmo better than Mike Trout? Especially if his, you know, rough year that he's having this year. But it's Mike Trout. You know, if he wanted to steal 30 bases, he still could. If mm-hmm. he wanted to play every single day in the outfield, I think he probably couldn't do that because he'd probably get hurt eventually. But he would have the possibility to if if they wanted to, but the angels, you know, are starting to be more progressive with what they want to do with him and, uh, DH him on some days and trying to get him out of the lineup when, when Shohei's not playing and stuff like that. So, uh, Mike Trout. So number one, he's going to be number one for still a Long while, time. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Probably, probably get at least maybe if J rock goes crazy, but I don't think I'd be comfortable putting any of these other guys over, over trout. For, for a while. Plus, Corbin Carroll moves over to center. Then uh, we're making Possible. that discussion real quickly. <laughs> Moving on to the NL Central, probably the most... Mid. I, I wouldn't say confusing. I think the AL Central is probably more confusing with all the, all the shit that's going on there. But one of the most interesting divisions, because one through eight is all within one, eight games. Uh, one through four is in between three and a half games. It's just the Cardinals who are a little bit farther out. Uh, but how will this division play out? We got the Reds trending upwards. The Brewers kind of remaining consistent. The Pittsburgh Pirates, are they trending up? Are they trending down? Cubs, who knows? And the Cardinals, definitely, who knows there. Together, who do you think ends up finishing up fifth in this division? 
in last, I still have the Cardinals. It just looks like a complete disaster uh, when you turn them on TV, too. It's not just the numbers. Uh, you got to start looking to trade some pieces because the farm either isn't ready yet and you thought they would be, or they're just not as good as you thought because it's a kind of a weird construction of the roster with some old guys, some young guys without really the top guys you thought would be ready. So I, I don't know what's going on with the Cardinals. I don't feel comfortable moving them up. I put the Cubs at number five, and that's just because I think they'll be the biggest sellers at the deadline. I think, uh, uh, I mean, obviously the Cardinals have a chance, you know, if they wanted to, you know, trade away Arenado or Goldschmidt and get a ton of, ton back there. I don't think they will, you know, aggressively be that much of a seller, maybe some, some other pieces. But as far as the Cubs go, Strowman is the guy I like to be probably gone. Bellinger is probably a guy that's going to be gone, and probably some of the other guys within the bullpen and some of those four or five stars on the team, like maybe even a Justin Steele or, or Kyle Hendricks, a guy who can really eat innings for a good playoff team. So uh, the Chicago Cubs hmm. probably going to finish around 75 to 76 wins, I'd say, maybe just below that, and uh, get last place on a number four. Number four, I have the Cubs above St. Louis because they have some dudes, like you were mentioning. It, it it all matters if they're actually on the roster once we're past July, but everybody's heating up. Stroman, Swanson, Bellinger, Morrell, Horner are all on fire. That, that's too many good players. They're not going to, those guys specifically, if they're all together, are not going to let the Cubs fall to last place. Maybe they will. Number four. I have the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think this team, you know, has a lot of good things going on and it's been a great story so far this year. Maybe not right now because they've lost seven in a row, but, you know, Henry Davis coming up is a big thing. We'll probably see Andy Rodriguez before season's end or probably even before the all-star break. Mitch Keller's kind of starting, very much starting to come into his own. McCutcheon being back is good. Uh, but I think some of the other things around this team that just, you know, aren't quite clicking as much as they were when the beginning pro- the season is uh is what's going to fault them when it comes to placing up a bit higher in this division so i have them finishing in fourth i think this team will still be you know a wild card competitor in the coming years i just think right now beginning part of the season was too much of a fluke for for it to kind of stay the same and we we knew this a long time ago so uh Mm. pittsburgh pirates number four for me on a number three at number three, congratulations, Pittsburgh. You're not terrible anymore. You're headed in the right direction. I just think Cincinnati is about six games better than them right now. It's a great first start for Henry. Like you said, dudes are going to be coming up. But uh, it's just, it's not your time yet. You're just just going to be a little bit behind. Yeah. Number three is going to be where I put the Cardinals Uh and we see this so often where like a team will just start off bad and they'll get really, really hot uh, towards, you know, July or August. And I think we've wanted to say that's the Cardinals ever since this got started slow in April. I don't think they're going to go on that crazy run anymore to the point where they, you know, sneak into the playoffs and win the division and do everything they do there. But they're a team that can still find their way back to 500. And I think 500 is definitely something that, could be a playoff chance. Will it give you the playoffs? Probably not, but it's there's a chance if you get to 500 that you'll get into the, into the playoffs. So uh, I think the Cardinals can do that. I think their lineup's starting to come around a little bit, and uh, I have them slotted probably right around 500. It's in at number three. Okay. 
On to number two. Number two, I got the Reds. It's going to be close here at the top, these three teams, in my opinion. But, again, I, I don't think I can trust Cincinnati yet. If every prospect that comes up keeps raking like that's that's been having, then, yeah, of course they'll have a shot to win the division. But they have multiple starters with a 6 ERA or higher. A lot of unexperience for uh, when the dog days come. Because even with the young guys, it it hits everybody. And I think that's when they're going to get them in about August. They got fall apart. Number two for me is going to be the Milwaukee Brewers. And when I look at this team, I just see I see mid as the easiest way to describe it because everything on this team doesn't stand out. I mean, even Corbin Burns, who you know won a Cy Young, is starting to kind of level out in his career. He's still got great stuff, but he's not that same caliber pitcher that he was a year or two ago. Uh I mean, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta aren't those, you know, two seven ERA guys that they were a couple years ago as well, too. Their lineup isn't anything crazy. They haven't even scored 300 runs yet this year. The only team in DNL that hasn't scored 300 runs besides them is the Washington Nationals. So their offense is bottom barrel. Uh, their pitching isn't, you know, that 270 ERA that you need to win when you don't score a ton of runs. So, uh, Milwaukee Brewers, I don't think they're going to be able to do it once they get, you know, more consistently into summer. Those July, August days are going to get really tough for them. So uh, I haven't finished in second, probably a game or two over 500, kind of exactly where they're at right now. Number one. I do have the Brewers once again. Uh, it's been a rough stretch, but they recently swept Pittsburgh. They took three out of four at Cincinnati with most of their guys, except for Ellie, up. I think the pitching is going to be enough. You know, it's not the same as it used to be, but compared to this division this year, I think it's going to be okay. And they, they could probably barely win in with 91 wins. Number one, I got the Reds. I think uh, this team can win the division by getting to 86 or 87 games. And I know the pitching is not, you know, in this great spot right now where you have Hunter Green, who just went to the I.L., Nicola Dolo, who's not supposed to be back until August, Graham Ashcraft, who's really slowed down and is on the I.L. as well, too. But they got some other guys in the rotation that are able, if they can figure it out, especially Brandon Williamson, if he can figure it out, that's a guy that they can kind of look to every fifth day and be comfortable when he goes out on the mound. Andrew Abbott is already one of those guys. He hasn't allowed a run yet in his big league career. Uh, and that includes a start against the Astros over this past weekend. They've won nine in a row. The offense is really, really exciting. Even though, you know, they haven't put up the craziest amount of runs. They're starting to really get it going. They have a lot of comeback wins, so you can never count them out. And they just got back their mentor, Joey Votto. So uh, I trust this team to be able to pull ahead and stay ahead and make their way into the playoffs. I mean, if you have the playoff rotation, it's healthy with Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo, Andrew Rabbit. That's when you get to start start to talk about things, but we'll see if that those cross path or paths cross cheese. And uh I guess we'll talk about it in October. Those dog days. Dog days will kill you, man, especially in Cincinnati. Oh yeah. Let's talk about a few teams from uh last year that made the playoffs, aren't currently in the playoff spot, and aren't trending that way to be in the playoff spot either. Uh so, I mean, the Cardinals, we already talked about, so we'll skip over them. But first off, NL, AL Central winner from last year, the Cleveland Guardians sitting at 33-38 and 38 right now. Do you think they'll figure it out? 
I think they can. Uh, I, don't get me wrong. I think they're a very average team. The only thing going for them is they don't strike out a lot. Um, but Minnesota's kind of average too. I say don't trade Bieber. Go for it. Try one more time because Minnesota's is struggling and they can beat them. They can, they can do it easily. Last year, crazy second half. I think it's possible again. Yeah, I uh, I look at this Cleveland team and the offense is starting to come around and the pitching, you know, we know their their pitching is going to be solid pretty consistently. And when you think about their bats heating up, I think it that should be enough to win the Central. I think it's a, a very, very weak division where we might even see a team, you know, win the fucking division with 79 wins this year <laughs> because, you know, the Twins are leading it. Well, being under 500, and they've been one of the worst teams in baseball over this past month and a half. So, uh, wins are trending down. You know, the Tigers aren't going anywhere. The White Sox are the fucking White Sox, and Kansas City has 19 wins, so you don't have to worry about them. Uh, Guardians should be fine if you get close to 500. They'll win the division. They'll definitely win it. On to Seattle. This team has been a very interesting team this year where they – have a great bullpen, one of the best in the league still, but everything besides that has been a little bit struggling. So uh, 35 and 35, right at 500, currently fourth in the AOS. Do you think they'll figure it out together? No, they will not. The Angels are better. I I don't know how long the Angels run will last, but I don't think it really matters. They're still better. Some new faces like Bryce Miller, Tay Oscar have been pretty good, but it's it's just not their year. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I got the same feeling with Seattle. I said it a couple months ago. This team will not be over 500, and uh, I'm kind of happy with how that prediction is going right now. And especially when you look at that playoff picture in the AL, you know, they're three and a half out of the wild card. So I mean, obviously, you know, three games doesn't mean nothing in yeah. June. You still have over pretty much 100 games to get there. But when you look at the team of teams above them who aren't even in that wild card spot. So these teams, you got to hop, and then you also got to hop one or two more to actually get into the playoffs. Boston, Toronto, and Houston. Am nope. I really putting Seattle maybe over Boston? Not consistently over Toronto, and definitely not consistently over Houston. Uh, and then the wild card teams, New York, LA, and Baltimore. I don't think you know, Seattle competes with those two teams, three teams very well. So uh, I'm saying no for Seattle. And I'm Kind of happy about that prediction earlier in the year. Moving on to the New York Mets. They are four games under 500 at 34 and 38. They're sitting at the same record that the Cubs have right now. Fourth worst in the NL. Do you think this team figures it out and finds their way into the playoffs? Or do you think this is just the Mets being the Mets? I think they, they'll probably figure it out. There's so much firepower on that team. It's It's hard not to go on a little run. You know, I, I don't think Miami's much better than them. The Mets have been in shambles recently, but after our next segment, the uh, title contenders, you know, just looking at the NL, there's not a lot of teams I trust. And the Mets, they have a shot for sure. Yeah, the the Mets are a very interesting team where you look at the roster and you're like, if you just gave me the roster of every single team and had me put the standings for each team, I put the Mets towards the top, but players have underperformed. Even Pete Alonso, who you know has 
a ton of homers is only hitting 230. Like he's not putting up some crazy MVP stat line. He's been, you know, all-star level, but he's not probably even starting all-star level. Uh, if you, I mean, not fan votes going to be different than yeah, what yeah. legitimately should happen. But uh, I don't think the Mets figured it out. I think this is just going to be kind of a cursed year for them. Uh, you know, Verlander's getting old. Scherzer's getting old as well, too. Not having Edwin Diaz is a big thing at the end of games, even though David Robertson has been amazing for them. So uh, I don't think the Mets get it done. I think they uh, – I don't know what they do after this year because if they can't win with $350 million payroll, I don't know what you can win with. So uh, Everyone's getting fired for the Mets. that happens. <laughs> San Diego Padres, last team we'll talk about here. No, they're not going to do it. Again, with the Seattle – situation I, I just think san francisco and the dodgers are a little bit better uh the other teams don't lose close games all the time san diego loses close games seems like every other night they don't score a lot of runs they're just not clicking this year and just for reference it's the same record as the cubs who we both have near the bottom of the central which is one of the worst divisions in baseball so no i don't think so i think they, they screwed themselves yeah, the Padres have had a very interesting year because their pitching staff has been amazing. They've allowed the least runs in the National League. So their pitching staff has been solid. But back of the bullpen, besides Hater, has been a little rough. Uh, but obviously, you know, A.J. Preller is not afraid to go get an arm, and I think he can definitely do that this year. The only yeah. problem with them has been their lineup. Uh, and more specifically, those guys not named Fertino, Fernando Tatis, or Juan Soto in their lineup. Even Xander Bogarts, who got off to this great start, and Manny Machado, who was an MVP candidate last year, are really slow to start the season. I think they're starting to kind of pick it up a little bit, Manny, since he came off the I.L. But guys like Grisham and Jake Cronenworth have just not even been league average this year. And I know when you look at Grisham, you're looking at a guy who you primarily have as a great defensive center fielder, but you got to supply some offensive production, and he has not done that this year. Neither has Jake Cronenworth. Hassan Kim, you're not the greatest hitter as well, too. So uh, I think things are going to change, though. That's that's the point I wanted to make here. I think things yeah. are starting to come around, especially with Machado and Bogarts. Uh, and I think that lineup can get contagious. And you know how the vibe is in San Diego with those games. They're selling out nearly every single day. And that's a great environment to play in front of. So I think once this team does get hot, they will stay hot and find their way into the playoffs as a wild card team. I just don't know over who. Last topic before halftime, the second half, whatever you want to call it. Anyways, last baseball thing that we'll do. Top five World Series contenders from each league. You know, there's five, four, three, sometimes even two spots, you know, might not have the greatest chance, but they have a chance. Skyler, who is your... Fifth highest or fifth best World Series contender in the AL. We'll start there. Right now at number five, I have the Yankees with a big asterisk. 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 How big? You know what I'm talking about. They just got swept by Boston pretty badly. So I I don't know how much I trust them, but uh, I mean, I trust them more than Toronto. So they're number five. Number four. Or number four, not number four, number five, geez, is the Baltimore Orioles. I like this team a lot, and I enjoy watching them every single day. 
But they don't have too many guys in the playoff series that I would be really comfortable, you know, going head to head with in a playoff series. Uh, if they acquire Marcus Stroman and get a guy like that who, you know, has the personality to even boost the rotation a little bit, I think, you know, this number goes up quite a bit to maybe three or number two. But I just don't trust the Kyle Bradish or, you know, yeah. Dean Kramer in game three or game four of the ALDS, say, in in New York or wherever they may be playing. So I have the Orioles at five. If they acquire Stroman or get a guy like that at the top of the rotation, maybe Shane Bieber, the trade deadline, it'll go up quite a bit. On to number four. Right. Well, number four, I got the Rangers here. The lineup's on fire. The pitching is surviving without DeGrom. The problem is I don't think all of that is sustainable, just some of it. And that still makes them a top five team in the American League. So uh, they have, you know, just as good of a shot as the Yankees do, in my opinion. Number four for me is going to be the Yankees. Uh, So I don't really disagree with you at all by putting them on this list because if they somehow get healthy in October, they find a spot there they have the ability to go on a run and we know how hard it is for an opposing team, especially a young opposing team to go into the Bronx and win games there. If things get healthy with this rotation where they have Cole really, really rolling and some other guys like Severino, maybe even Rotan, who knows what's going on with him. This team can be a legitimate contender. A lot of things need to go right for that. I mean, a lot of things need to go right for pretty much every single team on this list to win the world series, but this team really, really needs the perfect storm neighbor for this to actually happen and the Yankees to hang up number 28. Yeah. On to number three. Number three, I got the Orioles here, you know, and uh, obviously everything changes if they do get some pitching. They, shit, they might even be number one if they get a couple arms, you know, a Stroman and another dude. But, you know, for now they're at three. I, I still believe in them, but they, they need to go get some arms. You're right. Number three is going to be where I put the Rangers. I like this team. I love their offense. Obviously, they score a crap ton of runs, and they do it every single game, it feels like. But I just, outside of Eovaldi, I don't see too many consistent guys I would, again, be really, you know, comfortable with putting the ball in their hands at, say, game six in Houston or something like that. I know John Gray, Andrew Heaney, guys like that have been good for them, Martin Perez, but they're just not that caliber of guys that you feel like you could trust when it comes to the postseason that he grabbed you six or seven innings. Do you imagine uh, like a Heaney offense, versus Garrett Cole game six? And again, their offense yeah. might score six runs against Garrett Cole. So they have that ability to make it happen. And this is where, you know, I'm kind of starting to get to the tier of, I mean, you still need a perfect storm, but you don't need that insanely one in a million type thing to happen for in, in order for you to win the world series. And I think the Rangers, you know, can be considered a legitimate World Series contender. Yeah. I'm number two. Number two, uh, we say it every year, and we don't like saying it, but it's the truth. It's the Houston Astros. They're not leading the division, but you know at any moment they can strike. I'm definitely afraid of the Astros, and they're in third place right now. Um, I, it's uh, They're going to figure it out. You know, everyone they call up is, is super clutch, you know, whether it's it's an arm or a bat. Um, they're number two, only behind uh, the hottest, hottest team in the East right now. 
Yeah, uh, the Astros are number two for me as well, too. And this is us ranking them here after them being on their longest losing streak in two to three years. They might have been number one games. for me if they if they hadn't been on the losing streak, honestly. So the Astros, I think the biggest thing, like I've said so many times in a row, they have those guys that you trust consistently. And I think Hunter Brown's really starting to get into that category as well, too. I know he got, got roughed up yesterday, yesterday against the Mets. But when you have Javier Valdez and Hunter Brown and, you know, probably a fourth starter in there as well, too, that you can trust to put in in a playoff game. I really, really, really like this team. And, you know, their lineup has experience. You know, Jordan's going to be coming back eventually. Altuve is now healthy. Bregman's, you know, not doing crazy, but he's been in the World <laughs> Series a few times and he's been in the playoffs so much. And Kyle Tucker, another guy too, Jeremy Pena. I mean, he just won the world series MVP last year. This lineup has guys from one through nine who have been there and have done it and gotten it done in the past. So I trust the Astros more than just about every single team in the AL, even though they've had this rough start to start the season. Mm-hmm. And then number one, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. It's, it's the most complete roster in baseball. It's kind of amazing, honestly, how they did this in such a short amount of time. Because uh, even a couple of years ago, after their last World Series run, as my guy Tony Kemp goes deep <laughs> on <laughs> on Savalier, man, what a sight! He he knew they probably told him like, "Hey, dude, like if, if at the end of the week you're still hitting 130, you're gone." So yeah, good for him. But back to uh, to Tampa Bay, um, they're great. Pitcher goes down, they got a new one waiting in AAA. They're at the top. Yeah, Tampa is, when it comes to having arms that you feel comfortable with, is the top of the line because every single dude in their bullpen you feel comfortable with, probably every single dude in their AAA bullpen you feel comfortable with. Their starting rotation, you know, if it's not super comfortable, then they'll throw the starter for two innings and put in the bullpen. They won't even have to worry about it. So I I am very approving. Is that gone? Oh, never mind. Uh, They're one through five rotation, one through four and a half, whatever you want to call it is very, very good. And then this is even without, you know, Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Spanks who are off to great starts to start the season. McClanahan and Glasnow, Zach Gufflin in there as well too. I trust those guys. And the Rays are, who I would say are my world series favorite as, as of right now on to the NL. Skyler, who is that number five team that needs the absolute perfect storm? Yeah, it's the Mets for me. I, I, I still think it's possible, so I'm giving them the five spot. Like I said earlier, there's too much firepower. That's no guarantee in the National League. But if anyone can do it, it's going to be them getting their shit together. Scherzer already started. Now everyone else needs to step up. I did not put the Mets on my list. Uh, so number five for me was Miami slash Cincinnati, where oh, if everything went crazy correct, these two teams could do it because if everybody's healthy, they have the pitching staff. Their bullpens have both been very solid, especially in Cincinnati. And they, uh, I mean, Miami's got a one and two hitter in Arias and Soler. Brian De La Cruz starting to come around too. Probably going to add a guy to trade deadline. Cincinnati, you know how good their lineup is. Just saying, if a team was to put on that crazy run and win the World Series, I think one of these two teams could be that. But uh, under one percent that this happens, not even close. So uh, yeah. on number four, 
I got the Diamondbacks here at number four, the uh, newcomers to the contender list. Uh, I feel like four is a good spot for them now. I just need to see a little bit more. See, maybe they they uh, trade a little bit and it, it messes things up. You never know. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, number four, pretty pretty close with the others, though. I don't think there's there is any giant gaps other than one and two in the National League. Yeah, number four is going to be also where I put the Diamondbacks. I think this is a pretty good spot for them. And as much as I love this team, I I hate saying it because I say it so often about these playoff teams. Guys that you consistently feel yeah. are okay to have the ball in their hand. And that's, you know, Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly to an extent. You don't have that third guy that can really bridge you. You can't throw Zach Davies in a big game. Contender. Yeah, you don't have the bullpen for it either. So, uh I love the Arizona Diamondbacks. They would need a lot of changes to happen for, for them to win the World Series. And I think, uh, you know, they could be in that spot once we get, you know, two, three years from now. But it's not happening this year, unfortunately. Uh, and this is probably the last. Uh, yeah, this is the last non-legitimate World Series contender I have. I have, I have three in each league, I'd say. On a number okay. three. Yeah, uh, here's where we got the Dodgers. You know, very similar team as the Diamondbacks this season, but they have the experience. And sometimes that's all you need in a really close matchup. The Dodgers not looking like their normal selves, like we predicted, but they're they're still really good. Yeah, yeah, I have the Dodgers at three as well, too. And then if you're a Diamonds, Diamondbacks fan listening to this, I know that there's probably no Diamondbacks We're fans not hating. listening to us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I had to put the Dodgers above them because you guys are a better team than them in the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, the Dodgers have just been there so consistently. And I know they haven't gotten it done consistently. But you look at them every single year and you look at this team and you go, damn, they can really win the World Series this year. And that's because all of the experience that they have on offense and defense, not defense, but pitching, I guess defense too, then technically. But, uh, the bullpen's been there. The starting rotation's been there. The guy who hasn't in the rotation, Bobby Miller, seems like he could be there because he's so damn good. Uh, so, yeah, give me the Dodgers at three. That's probably the first legitimate NL World Series contender I have uh, on this side. On number two. I'm thinking now we have the same list, which makes me happy because this is the only way I can see the National League going. Phillies at number two. Really rough start injuries but now they're they're as hot as the red on their jerseys man i think it's eight in a row for them too there's a couple really big streaks going on and obviously the phillies were there last year they've been there and and we understand we know that repeating doesn't happen in baseball but just looking at the numbers you know teams like the phillies and the astros are always going to be there they're always going to be in the race well, they don't need to repeat because they didn't win the World Series last year. Repeat they just need visit, to get into the World Series. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have Philly at number two as well, too. They're winners of six in a row. Uh, so That's they're on that was. hot Thank streak you. right now. The rotation is starting to pick up, especially when you look at Wheeler and Nola and Taiwan Walker, who has really been solid over his last couple starts for them. The bullpen, Alvarado, is ridiculous right now. Craig Kimbrell starting to get it going. Sir Anthony Dominguez, they got guys in the bullpen who you are – comfortable giving the ball to in an October yeah. game and they get guys at the plate who fucking hit nukes. It's June right now. Kyle Schwarber loves June. He hits homers every single day of June all the fucking time. And he's doing that right now. The lineup starting to get going. And oh yeah, they added the dude named Trey Turner who has been good so far, 
but you know he's got a clutch bomb in there when he needs it. So uh, give me Philly at number two, a very, very legitimate World Series contender. Absolutely. I'm number one. Yeah, at the top is the Braves. And uh, you know what? They have uh, ability to argue for that top seed in the entire MLB right now. But the thing about the Braves is, it, you know, the lineup's on fire right now. Once again, another team where everybody who was struggling is now putting it together. There's no weak link right now. But that's not even the best part. I thought San Diego was going to be the arms factory this year. It's been Atlanta. They have, I think, nine starting pitchers on their 40 man who could easily go start a game and shove. You can only use five of them, though. Sometimes six if you have an extra roster spot. So they got some choices to make, but it's a good problem if you're Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta's number one, and I think they're still in a spot where maybe they could go get a starting pitcher uh, at the deadline because those guys are kind of young. You know, when you look at a guy like A.J. Smith-Sharver, Bryce Elder, those dudes probably, you know, I mean, obviously they don't have any really playoff experience. So maybe you want to get a guy, a veteran who's been there a few times and kind of just get a, I don't know. Maybe don't trade really a young, young shortstop for a, a big game James type. Maybe uh, but they already have Charlie Morton. So, uh, you know, they yeah. kind of got the, uh, the veteran <laughs> trying to think of a guy who like could perhaps be like that. Uh, like a, Jordan Montgomery could be a decent guy there. I think, you know, nothing crazy. Uh, I mean, fuck if you want to go for a guy like Dylan C. Uh, you, ain't got, you ain't got the rotation for that. Erod. Erod's a guy. Yeah, That's yeah, a possibility. Uh, or maybe even like a Paul Blackburn if they wanted to. Paul Blackburn's a dude who's, I guess, considered a vet now at this point. Yeah, uh, but the point is, <laughs> Atlanta's got dudes. <laughs> They got them everywhere, and they're all going crazy. They're all going brazy in Atlanta. So, uh, number one, Atlanta Braves. All righty, man. Second well, half. Boom. Second half. Uh, again, it's it's kind of a an awkward time in sports, so we don't really have the halftime right now. We're just going right into the second half with some NBA talk. The NBA draft is Thursday, the 22nd, so I got the last – Mock draft. We're just going to talk about the top 10 here. Uh, started it with DJ, finished it later on my own with some news that I heard. And I'm just trying to predict what I think is going to happen. So let's get right into this thing, man. The Spurs are obviously taking Victor Wembanyama. Uh, you know, he accidentally said it in an interview the other day. He's like, oh, oh San Antonio. Oh, never mind. So we, we know that's happening. Number two, though, is interesting because the betting odds have shifted. Scoot Henderson is now at the top of the betting odds instead of Brandon Miller. And I think that's because Charlotte's going to trade this pick. So I got a mock trade here. Charlotte is going to get Brandon Ingram from New Orleans. New Orleans comes up and takes Scoot Henderson, the point guard from the G League Ignite. You know, guys are starting to get moved and people are going to get desperate for the CBA. I think some crazy stuff could happen for sure. So at three, the Trailblazers get the guy they've been looking for. They don't really have to do much. Brandon Miller. They needed a forward from Alabama. He can shoot, play defense. He's gigantic. Number four, the Rockets. Very interesting situation, but Ime Udoke is in. So how about we get a guy who could do kind of everything and, uh, you know, be the the right-hand man to Jalen Green, Amon Thompson, the guard from Overtime Elite. Massive dude. He kind of looks more like a combo, but, I mean, both of the Thompson twins are incredible. That seems uh, like such a Rockets pick, too. For sure. Fits Just, right in with K. 
KPJ and Jalen Green. Yeah, and then win another 18 games. Number five, uh, we actually have the Pacers trading up here. Heard some rumors they love Anthony Black, the combo guard from Arkansas, because that's kind of how the league is going. You need yourself a six-six point guard. Uh, so Anthony Black's going to the Pacers. He can again be be that dude next to Halliburton if Halliburton can't stay healthy. Uh, number six, the Magic stay put and take Asar, the other Thompson twin. He's more of a forward. Uh, you know, they don't really need a point guard or a big man. So that's that's a good middle ground there. The Pistons moving back to seven from five in the trade from Indiana. Maybe they get a future pick swap in like 2038 or something way down the line. But uh, they get a guy they probably could have taken. 2038? Dog. You know what I'm saying? It, it's People it's that they're dropping two like spots. Literally two years old right now. They're dropping two spots. They're not going to get much. Or maybe they, they could get a, a crafty bet on a bad contract. Who knows? Uh, Cam Whitmore. Forward from Villanova. This dude is literally all tools. We don't know what he's going to do yet. He uh, could drop, you know, 28 points on on DePaul, but then only three points on Georgetown the next night. So it uh, should be interesting. The Washington Wizards. Looks like they need a new uh, guard, too. Did you Jordan Hawkins. The Washington Wizards. The Wizards. <laughs> the short guard Hawkins from, from UConn. We saw him win the Natty. Uh, number nine, the Jazz have been in the news, but they're going to stay put, take Jarris Walker forward from Houston, kind of like a, a modern four, smaller guy. And uh, the Mavs at number 10, Taylor Hendricks, 6'10 wing from UCF. I feel like we're going to have a run here after the guards go, the good guards, of just literally all six foot nine dudes who could kind of shoot, kind of play defense, kind of run, because uh, that's what the NBA is turning into. Most of these guys aren't going to make it. But a couple are going to be exciting to watch. So I'm ready, man. Uh, one more thing we got to talk about before we're done here with the second half. The Bradley Beal trade. Bradley Beal, the guard from Washington, the Wizards, as we just spoke of. They traded Bradley Beal to the Suns. <laughs> Jordan Goodwin and Isaiah Todd are going with them. Uh, the Wizards are going to get Chris Paul, who's not staying there. Uh, maybe a sign-and-trade possibility with the Warriors or someone else. Clippers down the line, I've heard. Uh, Landry Shamit's there, but it's really just the, the pick swaps in 24 and 26, and they don't even really know what they're getting yet. Mark Spears, NBA uh, ESPN senior writer, said potentially six second-round picks. Uh, what does that even mean? This is terrible, dude. Like, I... Yeah. Yeah. What? <sighs> Washington, like you guys suck. You, you can't just do this stuff. Yeah, like, so trade them, get something back. Like I look at the Warriors, fuck, we could have just traded like seven two Kaminga. Not even, not even that. Maybe like Ryan Rollins, and and could have got him. I guess. Yeah, but we can't afford them. We already got our own problems, and I think that's what Washington's thinking here. They're they're not trading them for Landry Shaman and the sixth round or the, the six second round picks. They're they're trading them for a fresh start because they knew they were fucked when they signed that. They they didn't want to just let them walk for nothing. Well, so I guess this is a little year and gotten Victor. Exactly, that's the Can problem. That's the problem. Victor and the unicorn, Kristaps Porzingis. It'd be the greatest front court in NBA history. Yeah, from Europe. Yeah, that'd be hype, dude. Yeah, little confusing, but uh, you know, the first wheel to turn of the NBA offseason, other than some uh, you know, declining options, but that's not really happening yet. So I, I decided not to talk about any of those. Uh, 
Uh, I'm sure we'll have some more news about the NBA next week. But that's the second half for now. Yeah. Moving into our layups and bowl predictions from last week. Decent week for us. Three out of four. Yeah. One that we got wrong was my uh, Wednesday pick with the Yankees over the Mets. That did not happen. The Mets got it done. Uh, Skyler's pick, Chicago Cubs over the Pirates on Thursday. Did Bro hit some good job together there. This week, I have Cincinnati over Colorado on Wednesday. That is an Andrew Rabbit start, which I, I mean, tomorrow instead of Wednesday, I guess you could call it. Uh, Andrew Rabbit has not allowed a run yet in the big leagues. Probably going to allow a run tomorrow now that I said that. But uh, Cincinnati over Colorado should be an easy favor, probably one, minus 180, 190. So a uh, good layup pick there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also going with some baseball. This is a Friday night game, San Diego over the Washington Nationals. I picked this because I just talked about it with Ian. I told him he should go because it's Musgrove. That's his, one of his favorite players, Musgrove against Corbin. Musgrove Friday nights usually go pretty well for the Padres, even though they don't score much. So I'll take a shot. Did he connect night? <laughs> Last week, Miami over Seattle on Wednesday. I believe that was that Yuri Perez start. Yeah, uh, they were facing Luis Castillo. We got the job done. Skyler had TCU to the College World Series, finishing in the top six. They're they got on their win. Fire. They got their win, and uh, Skyler's good there. This week, I have the Seattle Mariners over the Yankees on Thursday. That is a Brian Wu start for the Mariners Woo. in the Bronx. Could be a little scary. But that's why it's bold. I think Brian Wu, uh, the books aren't going to be reflecting what he did in his last performance, but just more of his ERA. Uh, and I think the Yankees are a team offense struggling a ton. Could be something that you could hop on probably for, you know, like a plus 150, 140 type odds. Yeah. Um, I thought about putting that as my layup in reverse just because how bad Brian Wu looked. And I was like, no, 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 no. Dilly's a Mariners fan. I can't do that to him because I know I'll jinx him. Um, but my pick, my bold prediction, I'm going to go with Florida winning the College World Series. Um, they they made it to the next round. So so it's TCU, the team I've been rooting for up until this point. But Florida's really, really good. I, I You know, Wake Forest is tough. LSU is always tough. But there's something about those dudes. Caglione. Langford haven't even been that hot, but other dudes like their shortstop Rivera, it's going to be a top pick in two years. He looks so good. The pitching staff's good. I'm taking a shot out of the dark. The Gators won the college world series. Valid. Valid. That's going to do it though. For episode 145. We'll see y'all probably next Tuesday. I assume maybe, maybe Monday, perhaps I got to talk to Skyler about this uh, uh, yes, for one forty six. but uh, we'll see you on uh Someday early next week. They will. Let's go A's. Let's go Gators, I guess. I guess uh, Kyle's rooting for anyone other than Wake Forest. Bon, bud. Shh, not, I All right, sorry words. about that. Adios.